welcome to the Why God Why podcast. This is brought to you by the illustrious, wonderful, and what my shirt says, Browncroft Community Church. <laughs> uh, my name is Peter Engler. I'm one of the co-hosts here. We're here with our producer, Nathan. I'm here with our co-host, Aaron Mercer. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Good to be on. We. This is probably one of the most universal topics that I hear about. It's one of like the biggest questions I get as a pastor. So do you know what pastors are really great at doing? They don't always know how to answer questions, so they just bring in an expert to answer it. Does that sound good? <laughs> a great idea. <laughs> so we uh, we have Elena Brubaker. She's a mental health counselor in Rochester, New York. Um, she has a passion around this question and however you want to call it, but it's as simply put, why can't I do it all? Wow, that is a big, big question. And I think it's a question that a lot of people wrestle with, uh, particularly in our society. I'm really excited to to learn how I don't have to wrestle with that anymore. So I'm glad we brought the expert in on this one. Well, we uh, we love to bring in mental therapist, mental health therapists, because then we get free therapy. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, yeah. So thanks so much for being here, Elena. It's really great to have you on the podcast. And um, I'd love to l learn a little bit more. This is the first time I'm actually meeting you, so I'd I'd, I'd love to learn more about your story and um, how you got into this uh, mental health profession. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. I think this is going to be an excellent conversation. So um, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I went to University of Rochester um, for their marriage and family therapy program. Um, and since then have been in various clinics and now have been in private practice for the past four years um, and have just developed a, a passion around this topic of releasing people from the pressure of trying to do way too much. So let's let's think about this. Let's back up. I think this is kind of a timely episode. So let's talk about you for a second. Pandemic hits about 18 months ago last year. Um, how did it affect you? Yeah. So when it first hit, um, I had to bring my whole practice online. Um, my daughter came out of school. Um, so like every, my husband started working from home, like everything kind of, uh, ground, grounded to a halt. You know what I mean? Um, and for the first month, it was probably my slowest month of private practice because people thought it's going to be two weeks. So I'm not going to, I don't want to do an online session. I'm not into that. Um, and so people for the month of March, like I saw, a really limited number because people were waiting till things got back to normal. You know, at that point it was a two week shutdown. So they thought I'm going to wait till I can come back in person. Yeah. And then by April, everyone was back. My whole practice was online and tried to figure things out from there. So it was a lot of, uh, recalibrating and re adjusting the plan. And as a private practice owner, you know, that's my small business. So I, I was having to make those decisions on my own, like taking in the public health information and taking in my clients' mental health states and, and figuring out what to do to stay completely online, to move to some in-person sessions. So it was just a lot to process and to manage and to, to kind of know that at the end of the day, like the onus of the decision is on me, which there's, I've loved that freedom in private practice, but it, in this context, it was really intimidating because I'm balancing this physical health versus mental health. And 
that was a lot. It was a lot to process. You know, I, I want to jump on one thing because I'm connected to a lot of counselors and just, you know, maybe as you apply this question to your own life, you know, you mentioned the in-person versus, um, you know, online. And I, I think one of the things that I've heard from mental health counselors are like, there are some people that legitimately they need to do it in person, whether they just don't have technical skills mm -hmm. or whether they, um, you know, just maybe the nature of the therapy, like it just has to be done. In pr and I don't want to get all nerdy, but like EMDR. Yeah. Um, so you can Google that. Um, so, you know, how did you kind of navigate that knowing that maybe 80% or 90% of your clients were good one way, but then trying to figure out when do I make an exception? When Because I can't do it all, but you want to be fair and you want to help. So I don't know. How, I, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. And that's so true. And I really found that some people, it was a seamless transition into virtual therapy and other people were just struggling. Like they, they hated it. They hated virtual. They're like, this is helping kind of, but this is really not great. And so... For me, I, got, I took a gradual approach back into in-person, both to see, okay, how does this work? Um, what are the, what are kind of like the uh, health, physical health details I need to think about? What are the, you know, do I need to have people sign a waiver? But it felt um, okay gradually introducing some in-person sessions. And I really, I monitored that based off of, of, kind of assessing my caseload mm. and seeing how people are doing because what what was really hard is to see someone who is suffering with online who I knew would do better coming back in person mm. Mm. so that's kind of how I based my decision of course I had like the health you know the physical health and the COVID stuff in mind but really I took a look at my caseload and who who would be doing better overall coming back in person and those are the people who i invited back first mm. i imagine that in that time it it, it changed um I mean, both, I mean certainly being online is a, is a different environment but you know the pandemic forced us to pause in some ways um at least certain activities but it didn't necessarily pause it didn't pause our day-to-day -day lives um at least you know in a lot of ways mm -hmm. So how did how did you see that come through at at that time and then as the summer went on like how did you see that come through in in your in your practice like um is that is it hard for people to was it hard for people to kind of be in that new situation like what tell me you know we're talking about why we can't do it at all but we were kind of forced to pause yeah what did that do yeah well it's really interesting that some people and it tended to be my more anxious people felt less anxious. Hmm. Really interesting. Um, I'm not saying this across the board, but but there was one client who said something along the lines of like, I've always been worried and now the rest of the world is with me. Everybody else is worried too. And so that takes some of the pressure. Like I don't have to worry so much because now other people are worried too. And so I don't have to have a, the burden of I'm the only one who's thinking about this. Everybody is. And so I found that for some people, this really benefited them, the slowing down, the uh, particularly the people who are trying to do too much felt a relief mm. that life had to stop, you know, certain parts of it. And 
they could say no to things because they had the pandemic as a reason. And so for some people, it brought relief. And then for other people, it just, whatever they were avoiding, whatever kind of was like under the surface, it brought it all out. So I felt like I saw it go both ways. Some people really benefiting and then some people like that all the things that they had been avoiding and pushing down, maybe it was a challenging relationship. Maybe it was um, a soul-sucking job. The pandemic forced them to look at it. So the stuff they've been avoiding looking at, they had to. Mm. Man, I, Aaron, I love that question, Elena. I love that response because I, I want to test a theory out um, just because I probably was the – I probably saw the pandemic more as – a, a very unfortunate opportunity. So it really focused me. I wish there was a better way, but like what you said, it, it was about no. And I read this book called The Paradox of Choice. And so like one of the examples was they went into a grocery store and they literally went from having 20 different types of jam to three. Hmm. And they actually found that sales went up, customers were happier. So my thought even too with people that are really anxious and I'm, I'm just, I'm curious, I'm testing this out, so who knows, we might edit this out, but <laughs> was the pandemic not just everybody's worried, now they understand what I feel, but was it a little bit of, oh man, I don't have a fear of missing out. I don't have unlimited options. I don't know, I'm just, just kind of curious. Yeah, I, I think that theory, I mean, we can just take a small sample size <laughs> of people in my life, um, both personally and professionally, but I think that's definitely part of it is part of anxiety is the overwhelm of there's so much happening and so when you when you strip away so much of that i think there is more calm in there's less so there's less to choose from there's less obligations you know Mm -hmm. um you know there's less on your calendar so yeah i mean i feel like that theory is is true that that the less really helped some people's anxiety so let's move because the reason we want to bring up the pandemic, um, you know, and Aaron might even have some thoughts too, but we're about to reopen at some point. So I, I say some point we could have another spike. You know, this the, we're recording this episode in May. It comes out in June. So I am not Fauci. I am not. <laughs> I'm not. So I'm just we're guessing here. OK, but so we're talking about why can't I do it all? Calendars are going to open up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be more opportunities. You know, they're they're changing mask stuff. What do you anticipate as you kind of as a mental health therapist, challenges and opportunities, maybe for both that you've talked about? Yeah. So I I feel like I'm already hearing about this from my clients, um, because you know with vaccines and things, there's like there's like a partial opening feeling right now. And I just had someone say the other day, like, I don't have a reason to say no anymore. Right. What is that so interesting? I don't have a reason to say no anymore. So um, anxiety spiking again because I don't have my built-in reason. It's a pandemic. Um, and so now my calendar's filling up and now I'm starting to feel anxious. Now we have these obligations. We have the social calendar. We have um, maybe boundaries stuff that you've pushed off. It's coming back up again because now we don't have our built-in boundary of it's a pandemic um, and so I think for some people, 
there's anxiety uh, about adding more. Mm. Um, there, there's this word that has come out languishing. It's like between, um, it's not quite depression, but it's not like you're living your best life. And I think a lot of people, like, as things are looking at reopening, it's kind of this languishing, like, we've been kind of used to this for a year and now we're not sure what life is going to look like and and you don't feel really excited about anything I think because so much excitement has been stripped away it's like so much has been taken away that you almost know don't know what to trust in like mm. even like mm. what you were saying like there's so many caveats we think things are going to look better in June we don't know and so I think that feeling has made people feel guarded um, but on the other hand, I think there are people who are genuinely excited. I think especially of like my extroverts, um, they're excited to see people and have big gatherings. And so I think there's both. I think there's um, languishing. I think there's anxiety. And I think there's people who are excited and joyful, too. Mm-hmm. Well, so why, you know, you, you mentioned how the, the pandemic gave people a, a ex- an excuse not an excuse it was a a good reason Mm -hmm. it's not an excuse um but if that is becoming not always something you can point to like why is there that pressure why is there i mean i think we all feel it but why is there the pressure to fill up our calendars and to um i mean i think we could probably get to a different question of why do we feel like we have to jump in and make things happen but let's just talk about the the calendar side of it why do we have to fill that why do we we got a chance to pause and now we all of a sudden we want to go back to full speed. What, What is that all about? Yeah. And I think that want, like I don't think a lot of people want to go back to full speed, but mm. they feel like they have to. Mm. There's a pressure. There's a guilt. There's the shoulds. I should. I should go back to full speed. But I don't think a lot of people want to do that. And, and that's really what's come up is like I was going full speed and I didn't like it. It was, <laughs> I was struggling with it. I was suffering under that full speed. And so – what I'm hoping is people consider like, what speed do I want to go back to? Mm. But I think to that question, um, I think there's a lot of cultural pressure to ha- have your calendar look a certain way. Um, I think social media plays a big part. You see on social media, you know, this person seems to be doing X, Y, Z. So I should maybe try to do that too or this you know I see this account and they seem to have so much going on so who am I to say something different so I think you societally look around um, and feel pressure I think you look at your social media and feel pressure and so I think there's this um, cultural value of being busy of things being full and if like even if I think about conversations with people especially pre-pandemic it's like how are you busy things are busy yeah I got a lot going on and so it does give you this idea like what if I'm not busy and what if my life isn't as full and what if I don't have a lot going on Um, I think there's worth questions that come up there. I think there's a fear of like, am I doing it right? If I'm not busy, if my life isn't full, if I don't have, if my life isn't brimming over with stuff, um, what if I'm doing it wrong? So I think there's fear in there too. Well, I mean, for you, Aaron, because again, we're getting free therapy, but we'll let Elaine answer this, but um, it's terrible. It's recorded. So Kristen, your wife can see this and Robin, you know, so anyways. (laughs) I mean, I don't relate to the social media 
like, and I know that a lot of people do, and maybe that's a surprise because I'm fairly active on social media. I kind of look at social media as like a necessary evil. Mm -hmm. Like this is part of my job. This is part of what I do. Um, but I, I think what my wife and I struggle with is if somebody asks us to do something and we say no, we're probably never going to get that opportunity again. Mm -hmm. Now that's, that's like really, really extreme. So, you know, you have a couple that you really like. I feel like this isn't everybody loves Raymond, you know, sitcom like, you know, hey, can you get together with us Friday night at eight o'clock? Honestly, Friday night at eight o'clock, I want to be in bed. <laughs> but if I say no, am I, I don't know, what's, I mean, is there a reason for you that you feel like you can't say it all or do it all? I mean, and I'd, I'd be curious, maybe you said yours, you know. You know, I think it's always a, it's always a challenge um, because there are opportunities that come up and you don't, it's hard to say no to, or to weigh them. Um, and, uh, but I, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I guess I'm one who I, I don't like having a totally full calendar because <laughs> that stresses me out. Um, but I, I um, so, you know, I think that there was something, there was something to the idea that everyone is having to slow down a bit, but I know that that's not really a, that's not necessarily like, I mean, I think especially in America, we just like other, other countries, I think have different contexts, but in our country, we're very much like, go, go, go. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And, um, yeah, it's just really interesting to hear you, you, you talk about that. Um, and I'm, it's interesting to hear it from the perspective of, of someone who had the ability to put up a barrier um, and then and now that barrier is not there so that they probably have to find it they have to find it in themselves to give a barrier but then there's also people who want to fill them their calendar up and so what or they maybe they don't want to but they feel like they need to so how I mean I guess there's like a give and take there which how do you get back how do you get to the happy medium here what you know what what do you what have you found what do you uh, what do you think what do you suggest well, one, I think not doing so much comparison, not thinking there's a one size fits all, like uh, that Peter's social calendar should be what yours looks like, should be what mine looks like, but to honor that we all are going to have a different capacity and what works best for us and our family and our season of life. Because I think sometimes we expect ourselves to run the same pace for all of, you know, all of our life. We should be able to do what we did five years ago and don't really take into context different seasons of life, different things that are going on. So one thing that, that I encourage my clients to do is to look at their values. So what do you value? And those values help you sort through what do you want to prioritize? What do you want to say yes to? Um, because when you say yes to one thing, you say no to something else. And when you say no to something, you can say yes to something else. So I think those values and being aware of what are your particular individual values, family values, that helps you filter through what do you let in and what do you need to, even if it's a good thing, even if it's an exciting thing, what do you need to leave you know, behind for now? And it might come back again, but um, I think looking at those values helps you realize what you want to prioritize, and then honoring your season of life. Okay, for this season, we can't do this thing. Or, um, you know, my kids are going to school next fall, so I'm looking at, I might be adding some things in. So so that season of life is changing, so I might be 
adding things back in in the fall. So I don't think it's always like less, less, less. Sometimes it's more, but it's being intentional about what you're filling your time with and not just like, you asked me, so I have to say yes. <laughs> well, well, which one are you? Are you the, I want to fill my calendar or are you... I don't want to film. Man, I am knocking this mic down. I'm like all Italian excited. <laughs> Go Pachano family, my mom's main name. So uh, which one do you think you're at? I'm a little bit more towards the less side, which um, is a shift because 10 years ago, Elena was Philip. Fill it all. Like <laughs> anything. If someone asked me to do something, my answer is yes. Um, I have, you know, three things in one day, that's fine. Um, but my work as a therapist and then further having kids really um, taught me a lot about doing less and and s- slowed me down in a good way of like, this pace is no longer working for you, Elena. Mm. You used to 10 years ago be able to say yes to everything and have a really full calendar. And I tried to do that, tried to kind of go at the same pace. And I really learned the hard way that that is, I'm not at my best self now mm. um, if I'm saying yes to everything and if I'm having that very full calendar. Well, so, I mean, we're talking a lot about just the quantitative co- calendar, but I think we probably should talk about the qualitative because as I thought about this question and reflected on this, so my personality like the way i go after email is i go from like my least favorite to favorite like so in like in fifth grade i had to do vocabulary words so we had to look it up in the dictionary and we had time on friday morning to get that done so i said man if i get this done i'll be free to do whatever i want over the weekend so i kind of took that into my professional Mm -hmm. life now so, I know why he doesn't answer my emails. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the least favorite emails, right? Like, well, yeah, start with right. the least favorite, <laughs> oh, you know. Oh, I get him first then. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Sorry. You know, you know, if you got friends, enemies, you know, neighbors, <laughs> you know, whatever you want to say. You know, anyways, we we're big fans. Of it. But like, so I don't relate to the people that say and not a bad thing. I don't want to do that, so I'm just going to do that. Like I I almost I'd almost resent them because like I wish that they could I could do that you know so we don't need to get in the Enneagram but like Enneagram sevens like I don't know how you do it like you just what's your Enneagram number I'm an Enneagram two. Oh, okay so yeah. it's it's all coming true yeah we, we still gotta get I don't e- I don't even know what the different what? number everyone keeps on trying to predict what number I am and I don't I need to take the test I yeah. guess I, well what's, your, <laughs> yes. what, what, what's what's yours I'm between a, an eight and a three. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're still trying to figure it I'm out. I'm still trying to figure it out because I can very much relate with both. Um, yeah. So I feel like I need a coach because I have like kind of what I know is my healthiest best self. And then I have the things that I struggle with. So I almost feel like I'm too in my head about it. Um, so I feel like I need a coach to really help me through. I need well, a, I need a code book. I think. Yes. Yeah, that, hopefully, there's some listeners who who can. Marilyn Vansel, she was on our episode, so that's a good one. But anyways, <laughs> we'll we'll go there. He's been teaching, but so I feel this duty and call mm. versus like people that are just like I'm just going to do the next best thing, and I'm just like, you know, you know, I, I send the email out every week for Why Got Why. Is it something that I necessarily 
want and enjoy to do? No, but I know it needs to get done and it needs to go to our listeners. And I feel the responsibility to get that done. Whereas I know other people would be like, oh, well, who cares about an email? Mm -hmm. Like who cares about, and so I think what I struggle with with this question is, I feel like there's things that are duties to kind of let go of versus some people it's just, I don't know, which one, I feel like you're more of a duty type person. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think there's definitely responsibilities that we need to get done and we have to plan those in and invest time in them. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think it's definitely worth evaluating what what duties need to get done and what am I what am I putting out there that maybe is not a good investment of sure. time that maybe is an extra thing that doesn't need, I mean I think that for me that's a constant thing I have to to look at and because everything you say yes to like you said Elaine I mean you're saying no to something else mm -hmm. and um I to me that's something that it's important to evaluate um and I I'm I'm I know that in a lot of professional settings in particular but in um you know your your day-to-day -day personal life too you're you're always making those those choices and and it's easy to want to jump in there and 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 feel like a situation needs a little bit extra control so why don't you jump in there and fix it maybe we don't always have to fix everything i don't know what do you well, what and, do you think and are you a duty <laughs> or a i choose what i want i mean yeah i feel like i'm i'm between mm. um i feel like that's a, been a growth process for me because i very much relate to actually both like my college self would have been the fun forget about the duty stuff and then I got very into like the duty and now but that was burning me out mm. S saying yes feeling like I had to do these things and so now it really is like a values conversation like what you were saying you could take that email through a values lens you value this podcast and so no you don't enjoy everything that goes along with it but because you value the podcast you will do you know email um and the same thing for um my private practice i value my practice i value my clients and so there are things like notes i don't want to do them i don't like them they bring me no joy but i want to have a healthy private practice and so i do those things but they're aligned with my values mm -hmm. and so that helps rather than maybe something that wouldn't be a, a big add to my practice say it's a, a networking event that i don't really want to go to well will it add value to my private practice and maybe sometimes the answer is yes but maybe sometimes it's like no i don't need that right now so this is something i'm going to release mm. whereas this is something that i really need to do for for my practice so I, I kind of try to filter it out through there so it's it's not all these things that feel like a burden it's more like okay this is necessary because i value this and so that helps me bring a little bit more connection to it be a little bit more motivated because I know the purpose behind it mm. I think what I really don't like is when I just feel like I'm grinding like I'm mm. just doing doing mm. doing and I'm not connected and it feels like just a laundry list of to-dos um because then I don't feel like I don't feel that joy I don't feel that um connection in my life and and I really don't like that feeling so so, I mean, that that was really, that was great. Um, how much of that, when I hear you talking about that, the question comes to my mind, how much of it is pressure that, you mentioned social media before and whatnot, how much is it pressure that 
other people are putting on us versus how much is it pressure that we tend to put on ourselves? Like if we're, maybe sometimes we think that it'll be the end of the world if I don't go in and do X, Y, and Z, but other people might be like, well, it's not really that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. But then on the flip side, it could be, you really need to do this and you're thinking from other people um, or at least the feeling of that. I mean, how much is that? How, how much does that play in? I, I really think it can be both. Sometimes it's our own internal expectations of ourselves and we have all these perceptions that we put on other people like, oh, they're going to think I'm the worst if I say no to this. And then you say no and nobody cares. Um, <laughs> so sometimes it's the internal, like you're projecting that on other people. But then I do think um, that there can be people who do put pressure on you like, oh, you can't do this. What if you just came for a half an hour? What if you just, what if you did this for half the day? Or what if we, you know, there, there's pressure that other people put. But I also think um, we can teach people um, about our capacity. And so I think people who are yes people, then the others in their life, they expect them to say yes, because they always do. <laughs> and so if that person is then trying to limit or set boundaries, there can be pushback because people are used to them doing a certain thing. And so it might not be anything malicious or um, they're not trying to hurt them. They just are expecting you know, the version of them that they always get. So they're learning, oh, okay, apparently we're doing something new here. So I think there can be pressure from other people. Um, but I think a lot of times it's internal. Um, and so that's why I think it's important to first do that internal assessment of, okay, what do I have capacity for? What is What takes priority in this season of life? So then if you do get pushback from someone, you know what – why you're doing what you're doing and so you're able to stand your ground maybe if you feel safe with the person you can have a conversation about why you're saying no this time but if you don't know mm -hmm. like why you're doing what you're doing then it's really easy to just fold and say oh okay like you wanted me to do this okay that's fine I guess I will so let's get super practical what are some symptoms that you generally see when someone says, I can't do it all, or mm -hmm. FOMO, or whatever you mm -hmm. want to say. Anxiety is a big one. Wait, wait, what does fo FOMO mean? Oh, man. I don't even know. The fear of missing out. Oh, okay. Whew. All right, good. <laughs> all right. I didn't need to just get, I got to get the code book out <laughs> yeah. of here, you know? The lingo. <laughs> You're going to leave with a lot of lingo yeah, today. Yeah, you know. EMDR, FOMO, uh, lots of things. Well, those are two different, yes. you know, but anyways, you know. <laughs> But yeah, what are some of the symptoms? Yeah, so anxiety and stress are big ones. That feeling of like you're running in circles and you can't stop. Um, resentment is a big one that comes along with, with feeling like you're trying to do too much. Um, like someone asked you to do something and it's just like, oh, I can't do one more thing, but I'm going to because they asked me. So that resentment, I think um, comparison comes into uh everybody else can do this and i'm the only one who's struggling and then worth worth uh low self-esteem low self-worth like i'm doing all these things and i still don't feel like enough um mm. and and you know why aren't i feeling better about myself i'm 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 juggling all this stuff and i don't feel good about myself and i don't feel worthy um, and so those are some big things I see. And, and I think all of that can lead to feeling 
down, feeling depressed, feeling low. Because um, I think when you go at such a fast pace, that can crash. Um, and then you can feel really down. It, is it always is it always down or um, I don't want to add another term, but like is there a manic state that you've seen or do you see more people like, you know, do people actually try to produce more when they can't do it all? I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. Or is there always a crash? I shouldn't use yeah. the word always. I, yeah. can, I can hear my wife say, you, you can't say always, never, and quit shooting yourself. <laughs> yes. Anyways, yes. that was for free. <laughs> um, that, yeah, I agree. Not always, but I would say for the most part, I do see crashes. Mm. Um, and that might be like a crisis of identity. It doesn't always have to be feeling down. I think there can be like stages of um, you add more. Like, okay. I'm still not feeling good, so I guess I'll do more to try to prove this. I'll try to hustle more. You know what I need is one more thing. But I, I feel like most usually I do see a crash, and maybe that's because of what I see in my practice. Mm. But mm. I do see, or you know, people might like, oh, I just couldn't get off the couch all weekend, and that's not me. Um, so it could be, you know, it doesn't have to be this big, huge thing, but it could be like I got sick. Um, I got sick and I couldn't get out of bed for a couple of days or I couldn't move from the couch or, you know, so it could be something like that. It doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing, but it could be a day or two where mm. um, you're just down and out. Mm. So what are some, what are some practical ways people can not feel like they have to do it all? Mm-hmm. First, okay. You said practical and mine is more of a big picture then then we can get to practical sounds good (laughs) i like that i like the big big picture picture would be where does your worth come from because your worth doesn't come from doing all this stuff Hmm. so where does your worth come from Hmm. i feel like faith ties into this um not not measuring who you are by what you do and so i feel like first you need kind of the overarching structure of okay what does it mean to feel worthy what does it mean to um feel good enough and where do you get that feeling because i think if you don't Mm -hmm. have that big picture answer i think you're just um you know shooting in the dark but i think when you have that big picture of okay where does my worth come from if it's not doing all those things then i feel like that's a release of my worth doesn't come from this so I can say no to this because this is not where I'm getting my self-confidence from. This mm. is not where I'm building my self-esteem. And so then you can, then there, then there's some freedom there. Once you have that overarching picture, there's some freedom in, okay, what is my capacity right now in this season of life? Um, what is bringing me joy and what just consistently feels like I have resentment there. And so I think it's to, to start thinking through like what do you have in your life? You could even write it down. That's practical. You could even <laughs> write it down. Okay, what things are bringing me joy? And like Peter, going back to your example, the podcast brings you joy. And it might not be every single detail of the podcast brings you joy. But if you know that overarching thing brings you joy, then the other things are worth it. Whereas there might be other things that this just feels like a burden. And this just feels like resentment here. And so is there something that I can release here? 
Or is there something that maybe I can delegate? Maybe I can share mm. with a colleague or my partner or even like my kids. Like my kids are getting older and I don't find a ton of joy in housework. So we're, we're starting to delegate some chores. So looking at things like that, okay, what is, what is on my mental load? listing it all out and then thinking about okay what things can be tweaked because I think we can have this feeling like well I can't change it this is just what it has to be but when we start to get practical and start to list things out then you can start to see okay I think this can change here I think this can shift I think there is some room here for this to go differently well you mentioned that you mentioned you should look at big picture like and that can be informed you know, by faith. And, and, you know, I, I know in the, for me, one thing in the Bible I think is important to me is that there is a, there is an emphasis on rest. Um, there's an emphasis on working hard too, but there's also an emphasis on rest. Um, and I don't know that I do that very well. I certainly don't think our culture does that very well. Mm -hmm. Um, how do we, you know, how do we, how do we pursue, um, a value like that? What, and, and, I assume you would think that would be helpful for this situation we're talking about. I mean, what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, 100% and totally agree that when you start to prioritize things like rest, it is countercultural. And so just to know, like, I'm kind of going to be a rebel here and I'm going to prioritize these things. That helps me if I think of myself as a rebel <laughs> rather than lazy. Um, but I think so for me, I think about this cyclically. So if I rest and if I prioritize rest, that gives me energy to do the other things that I need to do. And so it's not, I think we put it as rest as a reward. Like I got to do all this stuff. And then if I have enough time, I can earn my rest. And I think of it more as a cycle. Okay, I rest. That gives me energy to do the things I need to do. I rest. I give myself energy. <laughs> so, so it flows rather than it's a if then. Like it's a you do this stuff and then you get your rest. When you think of it as a cycle, it's kind of built in. Okay, rest is just part of things. It's just incorporated in it. Um, and I think when you can see the value of what it adds, and I completely agree with you, I think we have, and so few people recognize, like the Bible values rest. It talks about rest. Jesus' life models rest. And and so I'm so glad you pointed that out because I'm always pointing that out to my clients. Like, look at Jesus' life. He rested. And so if he could rest, you could rest too. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I think, nice. I think one of, you know, so this is free therapy for all of us, but like you brought up resentment. So like there's a way to even communicate that. So, you know, when you say, hey, Elena, you know, can you, you know, we're going to have you over, you know, this Friday. So you could respond by saying, um, that's a self-care day and self-care is very important, but like, there's even a way that you communicate it. Whereas if you just said, Hey, I'm not available that day. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's been kind of the struggle with like church and culture is, and, and this might be more my personal opinion is like when people, there's a way to communicate that that I think is actually gracious and kind as opposed to like, you know, I'm again, we're going to, we're going to go to, you know, parks and rec where, uh, what, what is it? Treat yourself, mm -hmm. you know, like, sure. It's okay to treat yourself, but it's kind of like underwear. I don't want to hear that you have it on. Like I'm hope like I'm hoping you take rest and stuff. 
but there's a better way to talk about it. And I think that that's kind of where we're struggling is there's some people that feel really comfortable, self-care, self-care, you know, stuff on social media. And then there's other people probably more like myself that can be a little gracious where it's like, I want you to get your rest. But like, if I'm coming to you with something and you say that it just, uh, I don't know, I'll mm -hmm. let you kind of pick up that jumbled mess. Weed it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I think, I mean, so we have like how sometimes self-care is portrayed, which I have a lot of issues with, which you can have me back to talk about that. <laughs> um, so I think like self-care, I think is something first that has to be internal. And I don't think that has to be I don't even think that has to be by yourself. It could be going to coffee sure. with a friend. It could be getting together for dinner. But I think now we have this like showy self-care. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove to you how good I am at this. And, and if you're doing that for social media or if you're doing that to prove something to someone, I would kind of challenge, is that self-care? Like, is it? Is that truly for you or are you trying to prove something to someone else? So so like the whole um, demonstrating the self-care, I, I do have some issues with. Um, I think it's good to talk about and it's good to figure out how to prioritize it. But if you need to flaunt it, I'm curious about what that's about. Um, I love the word curious. And like there's even volunteers that <clears throat> I serve with that like I've, I've noticed maybe they've served a couple of weeks. I'll say, hey, can you just take a week off? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I feel better about that. But no, I, I think that that's a struggle because I love self-care. I think it's really, really important. But it's one of those terms that we've maligned a little bit. I want people to have it. But if you're kind of using it for a reason to say no, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, not that anyone would know this, the guy in college that you know, asks the girl out and, you know, she says, you know, I, I can't do this because I'm praying about it. It's like, just say no, just, just say no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a good point. Like, are we using that as a built-in boundary? Kind of like what we were talking about with the pandemic. Like it's a pandemic. So I can't, instead of saying like, no, I can't this week or like, I'm really at capacity right now. And so I'm not able to do that. Like, are we using it as a shield instead of, giving an honest answer of like no I don't have the space for that or this week's not gonna work um how about next week like that's one way that I say no to things that I really do want to do is I can't this week but how does this date look or how do these two or three dates look for you mm -hmm. um so I, I I really resonate with what you're saying because I think it has become another shield like nobody can argue with self-care so I'm gonna say self-care instead of maybe setting boundaries that that are appropriate for for now and maybe being able to have a real conversation about what's going on in your life mm. man this went by way too fast we are gonna have you back okay. listeners you heard me say that so we close this quite we realize that not everybody that listens to the why god why podcast goes to church or believes in jesus so we're glad you're here but we always ask this question what does jesus have to say about this topic we all hint at it so the great part that you have is Aaron and I answer this question and then you get to clean up whatever heresy or misinformation or terrible pull, mental health. Pull the weeds out, like pull, you said. Pull the weeds <laughs> yeah. out. Pull okay. the weeds out. 
treat yourself tom habisha <laughs> there you go what, what was the woman's name um there was tom and from Parks donna and, donna, donna oh i love donna love donna <laughs> anyways um you want to go or me i can start sure oh, yeah okay. knock it out um yeah no i think it's a this is a great topic it's an important topic and it's a great question um i think i mean i think it's a the desire to do everything is is i think it's strong in a lot of people um it can be uh, overwhelming um and i think in different ways that you've you've talked about elena during this during this session um for me i think you know it is a challenge uh, i am a christian so it is a challenge to me when it was great when you said jesus jesus rest. i mean if the state if my savior can rest i can probably find time to rest too um but also it's a it's a command too of there we're there's a, a Sabbath command, um, a, a whole day that was supposed to be a day of, of rest from regular work. Um, and, uh, you know, how do I apply that to my life? I think that's a, it's something that's a, an ongoing thing I need to think about as well as also need to, uh, to apply and not just think about, but actually take steps to apply. So I, I think it's a great, great conversation and I'm, I'm enjoying this and looking forward to chewing on it some more too. Yeah. Um, I love that. And um, I just kept on thinking about every time Elena talked about know your values. So if we start really, really big picture, Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. Um, so if you start there, like I don't think Jesus is calling you to live this terrible, resentful, bitter, upset, busy life. It's going to be hard because we live in a broken world. But if you start there then you begin to start having some practical ideas about even reopening what that looks like. You have some decisions to make. So there's two thoughts that pop in my head. Number one, I, I just heard a podcast with Annie F. Downs. She wrote this book called That Sounds Fun. She believes that Americans don't do hobbies well, long story short, but she gave this per piece of advice. She said, I work really hard, then I pick a day. And she puts this day on the calendar. It's only for fun stuff. And I just thought that's super practical of kind of saying, I'm not going to put anything in there. I'm unavailable. I'm at capacity. All the things you said. The second thing is, I, I think of one of our former guests, his name's Mike Keyes. He wrote a book called Leading Brilliantly. And one of the things he talked about was creating a model week. And I don't think people sit down and say, you know, man, Monday and Tuesday, I'm going to go really, really hard. But I'm going to start easing, you know, we're recording this on a Wednesday. So uh, I'm going to start easing on Wednesday, you know, Friday even. I might even, you know, he, he made a recommendation to me. He's like, try your best to be home Friday afternoons, 3, 4 o'clock, make dinner for your wife. You heard that right. So <laughs> like just even trying to think of stuff like that. And I, for our listeners, that's going to be very different. But I think that if you start with values, there's going to be certain seasons you pick a day, but also just kind of looking as the world reopens. I can't do it all, but what does like the best week look like? So those are my thoughts. I love that. I love that. And I think that takes a lot of personal ownership mm. of, okay, what does this look like for me? How can, what does my look like, life look like? And how can I structure it in a way that I feel like it brings some more joy in there? Because I think that's, I mean, maybe this is like the rounding it all out is I think that's part of faith too is mm -hmm. joy. And we lose that when we are trying to do all the things and hustling 
we lose that joy and so I think everyone, some people's lives and calendars might look a lot more full. And if that brings joy and that they feel like they're living in their purpose, they're awesome. But some people's might be less. And that's awesome too. If that is feeling like that's aligned with your purpose and your values and you're finding joy and contentment there. Mm. So I, I like that. Like, this is individual. How can you do this with your week? Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do think like, I think faith i think jesus's life models sometimes you work really hard sometimes you go hard sometimes you take a nap sometimes you sit and eat a meal and talk with your friends and so knowing that there's freedom there um there's freedom to know what it looks like for in your life and and know that there's not one right answer know that there's not like this one ideal way to do things because i think that's a trap that we fall into too um so knowing there's freedom there there's a lot of room for this to be tailored to you and your family and your season of life wow elena where, where can we find you on on the interwebs yes so i'm most active on instagram it's elena talks therapy and i post often on there um and so if you want more information about me i'm not taking new clients at this time but i'm i do have a workshop coming up on this topic so uh instagram is the best place to find me we'll uh i'll get some details we'll post about that even if it's before this episode comes out so um contrary to what i said about email the best way to get in touch with why got why is to subscribe to the email um you know uh, elena helped me process through that so make sure you subscribe get that going And uh, look for us at whygodwhypodcast.com. Thank you so very much.